0: We're going to be in the book of 1 Thessalonians this morning, so if you want to head that direction. Um, it's good to be back with you. I was out last weekend uh, with a group of uh, friends who are all in ministry in different places, and we kind of meet up every year uh, for a little uh, renewal of friendship and uh, renewal of everything, really. And Uh, It's always good to be with those guys, but from what I heard, Phil Zito pretty much uh, preached me out of a job last week. Uh, So thanks everyone who told me that in that way. Uh, Yeah, thanks to Phil. I heard that it was awesome. I haven't listened to it yet, but I will. Um, Also, since since I was here last, uh, on Friday night here, we had the Women's Worship Gathering which uh I got to do all the like sound booth stuff for that so I got to kind of be here and the only people that gave me a hard time about it were the children uh all the girls were like why are you here it's uh there are no boys allowed and so they uh, limited me to the booth but I got to like kind of watch it all happen and it was it was awesome it was really really good and so big thanks to everyone who pitched in to make that happen uh, Chelsea Smith and Aaron Bells and Haley Spell were kind of the uh, kind of kind of led out in that. A lot of people helped, but they're the ones that kind of put the program together. Uh, they had an all all girl musician group. It was it was great. It was really, really great. So thanks to them. Uh, it's just amazing to have such gifted people on one place. This morning, I want to I want to kind of uh, extend the Easter Sunday message a little bit. I want to talk about something that maybe you weren't expecting to talk about or hear me talk about at church today. I want to talk more specifically about what happens when we die. So if you're hoping for like a really happy, like stoked, awesome message, uh, I think it'll get there. I'm not really going to talk about death and dying and like all that kind of stuff. I I literally want to talk about what happens to a Christian when they have breathed their last like what what happens from that point on? What do the scriptures tell us? There's a couple of reasons why why I, I think the Lord kind of led me in this direction. One is that one is just that the truth is important. Like Jesus says that, that truth is is liberating, and that's what he has come to bring us, is freedom. And he does that by telling us the truth. And all throughout God's word we we are are told what is consistent with reality. That's one of my favorite definitions of, of, of truth is that's what's consistent with, with what is real. That's that's what is true. And so a part of why I want to talk about this is that we need to know what the truth is about death and, and what happens. Um, and even if it's kind of hard to understand at times, the, the truth is important for us. Uh, death is surrounded by mixed signals. And uh, it's surrounded by people who they, they mean really good things. What You know, like when they find out that you lost someone they they want to say something that is uh, comforting and encouraging. And, and, and we've all probably been in that situation where you're, you're out of, you're at a wake or, you know, visitation and you're in line and you're kind of rehearsing in your head what you're going to say, you know, you do it. Oh no, heck you do You're like thinking through like, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? And you get up there and we all, we want to say the perfect thing. You know, we want to be encouraging, We want to be comforting, Um, A lot of times people though, they say, they say things that are just wrong. Now they sound nice. They mean really well, but there are all these misconceptions about what is happening in that moment and where your loved one is and what's going on and all that. And so I want our, I want us to be the ones who uh, are not like further, like perpetuating uh, things that are not true. I don't want to say like lies because that sounds really malicious, but it's easy for us to just pass on things that aren't true. And it kind of builds this incorrect understanding of things. And so in an attempt to be uh, really, really great in those moments, we need to know what is true so that what we are communicating is consistent with what is real. Um, The second thing, uh, the kind of the rationale behind teaching on this is that uh, life is really hard and uh, hope is very important. And the more we understand about what's true about the afterlife, the more uh, like hope just kind of like puts wind in the sails a little bit, even through some difficulty. And so I hope that this is I hope this is a hopeful thing. Uh, and the last thing is I was thinking about just mission and how you know death is like it's a, such a normal part of life. That as we are going through through our lives, we're constantly uh, either facing death ourselves, or there are people around us who are having to wrestle with it, and that is that's a time when the the church should really f- like flourish and be beautiful, and so we cannot be shy about that. You know, like we need to know what's going on, we need to be confident in going in uh, to just to know theologically everything that is going on, and so um, that's kind of some of my logic. And I just need to make a quick disclaimer. I'm going to talk about like what happens when a Christian dies. There, someone who is not a Christian, someone who is not uh, invited, like like accepted the invitation that God extends to us to be invited into His life. Someone who has not seen Jesus as their rescuer and, rede- and, and redeemer and, and said yes to Him, and and has like someone who has not gone through that. Their story is different than what I'm about to talk about. And that's a different sermon. And uh, if you are here today and you don't know where you are in this whole, am I a Christian or am I not a Christian, then don't leave here without talking to somebody about it. I'd love to talk to you about it. There's a lot of people here who would love to do that. Um, So this is what happens when a Christian dies. Now, there there are conversations that can be had about what happens when... What about the people on the planet who've never heard about the gospel? And what about uh, what about those who don't have the the cognitive ability to say yes to Christ? And what about what about babies? And what about you? Know, there's all these things that are probably better um, better. Let's sit down and have coffee and talk about it, kind of topics, than me get up here and preach about it. That's a more appropriate like setting for some of those things. And so, if that's where your mind goes, then I would encourage you just. Let's set up some time together and let's talk about that stuff. Those are important things. But today I want to talk about, um, like, this is like a, a fully, like fully engaged Christian person who passes away. What happens? Um, all right, so here's the, here's the rule of thumb. What happened to Jesus will happen to me. As a Christian, what happened to Jesus will happen to me. All right. So, if at any point, like if if you don't take anything else away as far as like the fundamentals of what's going on, take that thing away. If you can, if you can understand what happened to Christ, uh, it's it tells us. Uh, Paul tells us in First Corinthians fifteen twenty, it says, "But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep." Now, fallen asleep, uh, that means death. And so, the first fruits. What what Paul is saying is that Jesus is the He's the, he's the sample of, of the harvest. So the first fruits were you, you have, you've prepared the ground, you've planted, it has grown up. It's time to start harvesting the first fruit that you gather that was sacrificed to God. That was for God, but it also, it represented the larger crop that was out there. And so Paul is saying, Jesus is the first fruit. He's the first one to walk out of the grave, the first one of many to walk out of the grave. And so we can look at him and he is the prototype that we will then like follow suit after. So whatever, what happened to Jesus, will happen to me? So let's look at what happened to Jesus more specifically in Luke 23. You don't have to, I'm going to hop around a lot. So just hang out there in first Thessalonians, if you would, here's what happened to Jesus. Here, here's, here's, here's the three big, big ideas. he, there was death, there's burial, there's resurrection. What happened to Jesus? What happened to me? What happened to him? Death, burial, resurrection. So, this is what we see in Luke 23, verse 46. It says, Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Okay? So. In the end of those three things—death, burial, resurrection—this is the first one. This is death. We see we see something significant happening in the, in this verse. Uh, we we see a little bit about what death is. So death is the is the separation of something that was meant to be united, it's supposed to be together as one. Death separates those two things out, and so when Jesus breathes his last. He, um, he, he has committed his spirit to the Father and he has breathed his last. And there's a separation between his spirit or his soul or that, that immaterial part of him and then his body. Those things separate at the moment of death. That's what death is. It's tearing apart these two things that were meant to be together forever. And that's a part of what makes it so, so tragic. And so against God's plan is that God made this to be unified, and yet now there's a separation. We see that happening in the, in the Garden of Eden where God, God is there with Adam and Eve with all the creation. And when sin enters in, death enters in, and there's a separation that happens. We were supposed to be united in the Garden of Eden forever, and yet now there has been a separation because there's death. So that's what death does. It separates two things that were meant to be together. Here we see what, what that is for us. It is the, the body and the spirit are now separate. So that's what happened to Jesus. Physically, he breathes his last and died. His spirit, okay, not the Holy Spirit, but his soul and spirit, uh, he gives to the Father. And So that's what happens. His body's hanging on a cross. His spirit has gone to be with the Father. So that is what happens with him. Um, so that's the death then he was buried. So it's, this is what it says in Luke 23, 52 and 53. Speaking of Joseph of Arimathea, it says, this man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. He t- took it down, wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a, uh, in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever been laid. So when he dies, his body's on the cross, his spirit goes to be with the father. Then his body is put into the tomb and to the ground. His his body is there in the earth. His spirit is still with the Father. And so his spirit is there and he is not, um, there's no containment for spirit. So he's with the Father in some capacity. And there's, you know, we don't really know what that looks like. We have like, like literally like visually, we don't know what that looks like. Um, We're not sure what's going on. The scriptures don't speak to that a, a, a whole lot. But we do know that his body is in, is in the ground, and his spirit is with the Father. So at death they separate, then he's buried, his spirit's still with the Father. And then there's resurrection in the third part. This is Luke 24, 36-39. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit like meaning meaning a ghost um and he said to them why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts see my hands and my feet that it is i myself touch me and see for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that i have so now in resurrection we see his spirit and his body have been reunited it's not his it wasn't his uh the body that was all like, like, uh, just beat to death by the crucifixion, now he's standing there and he's talking, and uh, the scriptures tell us that he he has the scars, but he is like he's renewed. And so, at resurrection, the spirit and the body reunite, but it's not the old body; it's this new, uh, this newly formed body. And so, that's what happens with Jesus. He dies. When he breathes his last, his body dies. His spirit goes to be with the father. He is buried into the ground. And then the father reunites body and spirit, makes the body new. And now they are together and they will never be separate again. Okay. So what happened to Jesus will happen to me. That's, that's how I have to think of it. That's how you as a Christian, that's how any Christian can think of it like when you look down the road at your life, what is ahead for me? Those three things will happen. Your body will give out at some point. You will breathe your last. And when you breathe your last, your body will stay where it is and your spirit will go immediately to be with the father. Like that is, that is an instantaneous thing. That's that's the case for you. That's the case for someone that you know and love who has passed on Uh, the scriptures Which I'm going to run through the scriptures where all this comes from in just a minute The scriptures give us every reason to be confident about that So at some point the christian body gives out they breathe their last their spirit goes to be with the father The, the body goes into the ground or is cremated, or whatever whatever needs to happen. There are some people who get who uh, you know cremation is becoming a more and more common thing, and that's a question that you see a lot. Is like, uh, does that mess up like the future <laughs> in any way? And it's like, no, Jesus can like he can put he can put it back together. It's fine. So cremation, burial, those are not really like. Biblical things to stress out about or be concerned about. So just be confident whichever whichever way you go or or someone else uh, has gone Here's here's an important thing to keep in mind though Is that when the body and the spirit separate the spirit goes to be with the father the body Body goes into the ground From that point on though You are waiting Like you are with the Father in some capacity. Your spirit is there, but you are waiting for the second coming of Jesus. And until that happens, you're in this uh, very mysterious, like uncontained state. Your spirit is there with God. There is peace. There is joy. There is all there. there's, There's all those things that paradise brings because you're with the Father But you don't have a body. That's very important to me that we are on the same page about this. Um, So my grandmother died a couple weeks ago. My grandfather died like 25 years before her. And they grew up, uh, my grandfather married his best friend's little sister. So they had been childhood friends. They grew up in Port Allen which uh, back then was like this ideal little Mayberry kind of place, apparently, from the stories that they tell. And they grew up when they were kids, like at recess, they would put on like music and they would dance, like real dance, not like dance today. Like they would dance, dance, kind of swing dancing, kind of ballroom dancing, just that that awesome fusion of, of those things. And uh they were they were dance partners and that's when they started dating and so then they got married and so they were just dance partners for a long time and um the their anniversary before my grandfather got his before his cancer came back and he passed away, we went to Ralph and Kaku's on Airline Highway. Remember that one? They had a jazz brunch every Sunday. And they had this little like, like jazz quartet that would play. And my parents knew all the musicians. And so they were like, let's go up there for lunch let's take them out for their anniversary, all that stuff. And we go in and there's, there's like this big room and there's nobody in it except like the jazz group and us. And so uh, my dad and mom are like, Hey, what if we, what if we cleared the tables out and just let, let them dance, you know, a good anniversary gift. And so we, uh, we cleared all the t- we got permission Then we cleared all the tables out and they danced for probably 45 minutes as though they were kids again. Like it was, we just sat there in awe of just how effortless it was. And just, it was beautiful. You know, we, it was very emotional. We didn't know that that would be their last anniversary, but we were just still emotional watching. It. it was beautiful. And so when my grandfather died, my grandmother, um, she had, she had known him her whole life, you know? And so she had 25 more years when she passed away a few weeks ago. People would come up and they would say, oh, I bet, I bet they are just dancing again together. You know, I bet that was the sweetest reunion. I bet they're just, they're just playing their favorite songs and just dancing, dancing just on those streets of gold, you know. And like I heard those kind of sentiments said to me a lot. It was said in the, during the, during the program, even, you know. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, that sounds so great. It's just theologically inaccurate because they don't have bodies. Because they're uncontained. Because their bodies are in the ground, you know? Now, you know, I didn't, you know, raise my hand and object when someone said it or like punch them in the theological face or anything. But uh, in my mind, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, man... As nice as that sounds, the real story is so much better. The real version of that reunion and what's going to happen is so much better than they're trying to like help me feel comfortable about, you know? So I want us not to be the theological snobs who, like, just roll their eyes when people say that. You, we need to be kind and gracious and all that, because they're, they're trying to say these really encouraging things, but we, like a, like a little flag should go off and be like, well, that's not necessarily the case. They're together, I believe, and they're with the Father, and everyone that you know that, who is a Christian, who has passed on, is in heaven, kept with the Father, waiting For the same thing that we are waiting for, which is for the return of Jesus. So until that happens, we're stuck between step two and step three. Jesus went step one, step two, step three, death, burial, resurrection. We, we get, we go through, we, there's death, there's burial, and we're in a holding pattern with God until it's the right time. And then apparently there will be a trumpet blast of some sort. And Jesus will appear somehow somewhere. And it says that those who have preceded us in death will somehow rise and for many that's like terrifying to like try to dream up in your brain but just maybe don't do that, you know? Like Somehow there will be this, uh, this like resurrection of those who have gone before us. And the scriptures say that, uh, that he will appear and that we will go to meet him in the air. That does not mean though, that we like fly away to some other place. We go to meet him in the air to just basically follow him back here. There's this, there is this uh, rapture-based theology that has existed since around the Civil War, and it's become very prominent here, and um, uh, like probably very, very prominent in America. There's a bunch of reasons for that, but the Scriptures don't really talk about us like getting like uh, like transported in mass away to somewhere else. Jesus is coming here to make this earth new, like this this reformed reality will be, that's where heaven will be. It will be here. Going to meet him in the air, that's, that's basically like if the, if the president were coming and, and the, the town were to go out and line the streets to welcome him in. That's what we're doing. We're seeing our king. Somehow we will go up to kind of, to meet him in the air, but then we're just going to come right back here. And when your spirit is reunited with your body, it will not be the old body. It will be some kind of new creation body that will never get sick. It'll never grow old. It'll never break down. It'll never do any of the things that we hate about these bodies right now. And that reunion between spirit and body will be incredible and then you start looking around and you see all the people that you know and you love and they're in the same situation, at that point, my grandparents will probably start dancing. But until then, they are waiting. Full of joy, full of peace with the Father, but they are waiting. We are also waiting. But the resurrection of all the saints that have ever lived. It's so weird, but so beautiful when you think about we've all been waiting for this moment together. If you died 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 500 years ago, we're all we're all waiting for this one thing. And we're all going to experience this one thing together somehow. So what happened to Jesus will happen to me, will happen to you and has happened to anyone that you know is a Christian who is a Christian up to that, like second point. So let me re- read through some of the scriptures where we- where these things come from, because I don't want you to think I'm just winging it here. You don't need to turn to these. Let me just—we'll be on the screens. Just listen to them. In Second Corinthians four, starting verse seven. Paul says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay, talking about our bodies, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God, not to us. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, not forsaken. Struck down, not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies, for we who live are always being given over to death for jesus sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh, so death is at work in us, but life in you so how how's he how does he how can he have this perspective as he 's going through all this difficulty and, and saying you know we're we 're um, I don't want to like misquote it but like we're afflicted but not crushed perplexed not driven to despair. He's how has he not just thrown in the towel on life? Well cuz he knows the truth about his future. He's saying, "Yeah, life is really difficult, but you can't really harm me. What you going to do to me? You can't, you can't. Nothing nothing can win. Cancer can't win, AIDS can't win. Car accidents can't win. Old age can't win. Heart attacks can't win. Nothing can win. Death can't win. It can't. We know, we know this is a fact. Now he's not saying that the the things we go through are not hard and like like and all that kind of stuff. He, what he is saying is that you you have to you have to know what the you have to look down the lane a little bit. You have to know what is ahead of you, and when you know what's ahead of you, it puts things into perspective in the moment verse 13 says since we have the same spirit of faith according to what's been written quote I believed and so I spoke we also believe and we also speak and here he is knowing that he who raised the lord Jesus will all will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence that will happen he did it for Jesus he'll do it for you Jesus is the first fruits just because there's a delay happening between step two and step three does not mean that step three will not happen. We know that it is coming. We can have that confidence. Verse 15, For it is all for your, for your sake, says so the grace extends to more and more people. It may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Look at this. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed Day by day. So here's what he's saying. Here's here's the reality of our situation. Our physical and our spirit, our spiritual, uh, our bodies and our spirits, that's what better way to say it, are on two different trajectories right now. Your body is getting worse and worse. Your spirit is getting better and better. Now, I'm not saying like just like don't take care of yourself and you know, don't go to the doctor. Don't take vitamins. Don't, you know, eat green things. I mean, no, all those things are good. Like, we need to take care of our bodies, but we also have to know that that is, like, we are, are, we are physically heading toward death, toward the separation of our body and our spirit, unless we're here when Jesus returns. But just because things are getting difficult, or more and more difficult with us physically, and we're getting older, and there's all those things that happen, just because that has happened does not mean that your spirit is on the same trajectory, Your spirit is actually getting stronger and stronger and stronger because you're getting closer and closer to home. To the place you always wanted to be anyway. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. I don't know if he meant that to rhyme in English, but it's a good one. Verse 17, for this light momentary affliction... Is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. He's saying, Look, this is this is how I can hang in there. This is why. And you can too. He keeps going in, in this is in chapter five. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home, okay, that's talking about our bodies, if that tent, which is, that's a temporary, like, dwelling place, okay, that that is destroyed, he says, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. Now, Paul had a hang-up with the idea of his spirit being uncontained. That kind of freaked him out. And so, when he gets, he kind of gets into this language of, of like, you can kind of sense it whenever you, you like read it all the way through, because he's like, I don't really like the idea of my body and my spirit being separate. I'm okay with it if that happens, because I'll be with the Lord. But my ideal would be to be alive when Jesus comes back. So it's just... So that those that death never has to happen. And so that's what he's kind of talking about in terms of like being naked. He's talking about being being uncontained in his spirit. Verse 4 For while we're still while we're still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we've been unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. That's a really big statement. Because you're like, okay, this is, we're, put, we're stacking a lot of chips. Not to use a gambling metaphor, but we're stacking a lot of chips on this being true. How do we know? He says, oh, well, this, the Holy Spirit is the guarantee. Is the Holy Spirit is the down payment. The Holy Spirit is the investment that God has already made in you. Now think about what that cost him. Do you think he's serious about seeing it all the way through? if he would send his son to die and then bring him back to heaven so that the spirit could come and dwell in holy beings do you think that he is serious about the trajectory of history i think that he is so paul's like look in case you're insecure on if god will come through on this or not remember the spirit's given to you as a guarantee as a down payment as god's investment in us and so in those overwhelming times remember uh remember what it cost him I remember why he did it, because he loves you. Paul's trying to help them, like, come to a place of truth and understanding about the future, because that is how he pushes on. Verse 8, I'm sorry, verse 6. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. What he's, what he's saying is that as long as we're here and we're living this, this life, this side of, of our physical death that there is going to there's, we're going to feel that distance. We're going to feel that veil between heaven and earth. It's just it's how it's how it is. While we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. for we walk by faith, not by sight. He's saying we're, we have to what to think according to that reality. the next verse, yes, we're of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the, with the lord and he's like that's that's better to be free of all this garbage and to be with him verse 9 he brings it all together whether we're at home or away we make it our aim to please him okay his his preference is is to be with the with the lord no matter what it takes but until then here we are we're we're living these lives we're, we're embracing all these things and, when, and our goal is to please the lord now, you're in First Thessalonians 4. We're finally going to get there. Look at, look at these verses. Verse 13. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. So he's trying to tell the, the, the church the same thing that I'm bringing to us today. We don't want to be uninformed about those who have died and us who will also die. So we don't want you to be un, uninformed that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. To see that, like, when you, when you are uninformed and when you are not a believer, you're grieving in a different way. But as Christians, we grieve a little bit differently. We are, we're sad and it hurts and it's, it's just terrible to go through. But yet, grief and hope kind of hold hands a little bit. And you, you've you been through it. You understand that, that, that weird mixture of like, man, I'm, I'm so sad and yet... I know it's going to be okay because i know what the future holds so those things holding hands together is very important and paul's trying to help them understand that verse 14 for since we believe that jesus died and rose again even so through jesus god will bring with him those who fallen asleep again he's talking about death he's going to, god's gonna bring with jesus those who have fallen asleep for this we declare to you by a word from the lord You like that last part? We will always be with the Lord. That when when he is there and this dead in Christ rise first, and we all go to meet him in the air. And he's like, come on, let's go make all things new. And we're like, yeah, that sounds awesome. And we all come back here. There will never come a point from that point forward where that separation can happen again. Where death can come in and separate two things that were meant to be united because death has been swallowed up. Death is no more. And so when that happens, it is this irreversible thing. That you you have an unshakable future. He wants them to understand it. I think God wants us to understand it too. Here's the last passage. First Corinthians 15. I tell you this, brothers, is verse 50. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And when the I love this, when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. life is hard it is death and dying is a just it's just terrible you know Um, we have to look beyond the here and now and see this see this bigger picture it doesn't mean though that we should uh, not grieve in healthy ways if if Jesus wept we can weep you know but we but we have to look down the road. We have to let God comfort us with this future reality. You were made to live forever. You realize that? Like you you're made to live forever. You were meant to live you're meant to be a spirit that's contained in a eternal body that never gets sick and never grows old and never breaks down. That is his intention and rebellion broke that and Jesus fixes that. And we need everybody to know that they are meant to live forever and that Jesus can make that their reality. And until until he does return, we're waiting just like those who've gone before us are waiting. But we're not waiting in this like sense that we're crossing our fingers and thinking ah, it might happen one day. It might not. We're waiting for a guarantee and that to me is, uh, that brings hope and that brings uh, endurance and a willingness to persevere and push through. And so I hope that somehow by maybe talking through this through, maybe, you know, well, you know how death kind of makes, makes you think about stuff you don't really like to think about? It makes you come face to face with your own mortality and the mortality of those around us, we try to avoid it like crazy, you know. But God doesn't want us to avoid it. He wants us to to attack it, you know. He wants us to be confident in it, and even with all the all the difficult things that it brings our way, uh, He told us this so that we would work with all the information. And so I hope that this has been encouraging to you. You know, I hope that it's stirred you a little bit. I hope that it's made you long for his return. I hope it's made you think about those who have gone a- ahead of you. I hope it's made you think about your own trajectory. I hope it's made you think about those you know who don't know Christ. I think all this is so important. And that is a part of why we don't we don't just like end the sermon and dismiss. You know, we want to give a few minutes to kind of let you uh, just sit in whatever is stirring within you right now and give you some options about how to respond to it. Um, if you want to pray, if this, something is going on, you're like, I got to pray about this. I got to pray for this person, whatever it is. You can do that. You can stay where you are and do that. You can come and kneel on these steps and do that. However you want to handle that, it's totally great. We'll have some some folks on the front row who'd love to pray with you if that's, if that's something that's stirring within you. Um, We will have two communion lines. Someone told me one time, you know, that, that a part of the beauty of communion is that as you as you take the take the bread and you dip it in the juice. And as you're taking it, there's this there's this like real thinness between heaven and earth. And it's a reminder that the same thing, same thing that's sustaining you is sustaining those you love who have already gone to be with the Lord. Same thing. Like in some ways, you're 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 maybe never closer to them than when you're at the table. It's beautiful, and so we'll have two communion lines that you're welcome in. You don't have to be a member here. We'd love to if, if you have said yes to Jesus, what He is offering to you, then you come on. Uh, we're gonna sing. We're gonna do like like there'll be a lot of movement around the room. But whatever is stirring within you, uh, let's let's. Give the Lord some good stewardship of these closing moments together. We're going to lead in some songs and uh, all that stuff. So let me pray for us, and um, then we'll we'll get to it. Let me pray, God. I'm thankful that uh, I'm thankful that that you want us to be informed about this. Thankful for Paul's words and and his his letters to these churches and his deep uh, love for them and his, just the passion that he has for them and for them to know the truth and the liberation that comes with that. None of us want to think about death or burial, um, whether it's ourselves or other people, but that's, that's a part of the brokenness that we live in. And God, I'm thankful that you give us a lot more to work with. And so whatever is stirring within us, whether it's about ourselves and our own uh, pathway and our own future. Or maybe those who have gone ahead of us or maybe those that we know who don't know you. um, Or maybe we just really just want to just think about your return, whatever it is. In these closing moments, God, whatever helps us lock into what you're doing, whether it's praying or communion or singing or giving, I mean, all of it. We give you these moments. Um, We do this together as a family. We love you. Thank you. And pray this in your name. Amen. All right, let's stand together. The tables are open. You can come uh, whenever you're ready, however you want to respond.